Good morning and welcome to again to Grace Bible Church. Good morning. If you could take, let me pray for us and then uh, we'll get started in get started this morning in our subject matter. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning again for your goodness. We thank you that you are here with us, your Holy Spirit, to guide us. Father, we pray that we would have the Scripture open up before us. We know, we trust that your Word will do what it is intended to do, that it will harden hearts and it will soften hearts, that you will by no means allow it to return void. Thank you this morning for all that you have done in our midst and will continue to do. In Christ's name, amen. You can turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 as we continue studying. Biblical eldership. Let me read to you the first seven verses. First Timothy 3, starting in verse 1. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer, then, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil." And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Well, over these past few months, we have slowly worked through this series that we have called the Foundations of Grace. During this series, we have laid a work to lay a foundation for Grace Bible Church. We have studied our philosophy of ministry And during that study, we established our four ministry commitments or pillars. These four pillars is that Grace Bible Church of Gainesville is committed to, first, the exaltation of God, secondly, the exposition of Scripture, thirdly, the equipping of the saints, and fourth, the evangelism of the lost, or evangelizing the lost, that is. Now, what we found is, and what we've what we've said is, is that the, the pillars of our philosophy of ministry undergird uh, the, our ministry direction here at Grace Bible Church. Now, my hope is that you recognize the gravity of developing a philosophy, philosophy of ministry to undergird the ministries here. Now, I desire, and, and I'm sure others desire, that we all know that, that Grace Bible Church is committed to these pillars. I also hope that you know and understand that each of these philosophy ministry pillars, you know and understand them, and that you can articulate them to people if they ask about our church. 
I, I hope that this is the case because I believe, we believe, that our commitment to these ministry pillars is what sets Grace Bible Church apart from most churches in Gainesville. It's our commitment to these pillars that set us apart. Now, as we finish studying our philosophy of ministry, we have continued in what we've called the Foundations of Grace series by studying biblical eldership. Today we find ourselves in the third part of this fourth four-part series. Today and next week, uh, my hope is, my, my plan is, is to wrap up this series. Then the, the plan would be to start our next book study in Ephesians. So this, this week will be the third part of the Eldership series. Next week will be the fourth part. And in the week after that, my hope is to start our book study in Ephesians. I'm getting ready, ramping up to do so. Be praying for me as I prepare. Uh, it's uh, kind of an overlap when, you, when you're preparing to start a book study and, and finishing up this uh, particular series. Now, I hope, I hope, my prayer is that this excites you as much as it excites me. I've been praying and preparing for this upcoming study for several months, actually even maybe even more than a year. Uh, I've, been, I've been studying Ephesians and getting ready for this, this study. And I'm excited to get started. But first... We need to start out, or finish out, that is, this incredibly important study on eldership. Now, you might wonder why I would take, or we would take, several weeks out of our preaching schedule to teach about eldership. Here's the reason. I believe, uh, we believe, that the appointment of elders is the most important task that faces a new church. Let me say that again. Make sure you understand the appointment of elders is the most important task that faces a new church. I would say that a church is not fully established or fully planted until it has a fully established leadership structure. Now, we believe here at Grace Bible Church that a church should be led, biblically should be led, by a group of spiritually mature men who shepherd the flock of God. So... According to the Scriptures, we believe that God will raise up men to shepherd and lead us. That if we are a true church, that if, if, if God is in, is in this, if Christ is building His church here at Grace Bible Church, we believe that He will raise up men to shepherd and lead us. Now, we believe that the church being led by a, a plurality of spiritually mature men who shepherd the flock of God, we believe that this comes from or is rooted in the meaning of three New Testament words, which are used to describe the elder. Now, we started this series by looking at these words which the, the New Testament uses. Now, we understand these words to be used in the New Testament interchangeably of, of the pastor or elder. <coughs> So you will you hear me in the midst of this series using these words in this manner. Now, using these words, we were able or have been able to derive a definition of the elder or overseer, and we've been able to understand their function within the body. The first of these words, which the Bible uses for those who lead the church, is poimain, which is translated pastor or shepherd. And we saw that in the Mediterranean world, this word was used of those who were keepers of the sheep. 
And it encompassed the leading and feeding and protecting of the sheep. Now, we have to remember that in this world, the world that we're talking about, and that the world that Paul lived in, that, that sheep were, were very important. So those who were shepherds were very important people. Now, what we, what we, the, what we, the analogy that we draw here then is that the man who would be an elder is first the shepherd of God's people. His job then is to lead, to feed, and protect them. Now, there were two main verses that we saw that clearly taught that the elder is to shepherd the flock of God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, Peter writes this, and we saw this a couple of weeks ago. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is be, to be revealed. Look at verse 2, if you're, if you're there. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Now, what we see here is that Peter exhorts the elders of the people, among the people, to shepherd the flock of God. Now, he exhorts them as a fellow elder and the witness of the sufferings of Christ. He exhorts them then as a man who has suffered for the sake of Christ. And he knows that men who love Christ and would lead his flock must also be willing to suffer. Charles Spurgeon says this, The Lord gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of the highlands of affliction. This harkens back to the time in John 21 when Jesus appeared to his disciples at the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection. In that passage, Jesus told Peter to shepherd his sheep. In other words, he wanted, he desired, he he charged Peter to lead, feed, and protect the flock of God, which is still the job of the elder today. So Jesus made it clear that he would suffer as he followed Christ. That is, the, the, the elder would suffer. Now, this passage in, in this passage in 1 Peter gives us a second word for describing the elder. It's presbuteros, which is translated elder. The word can mean old or older, but we take it to speak of the spiritual of spiritual maturity in the context of church leadership. Any man who is Considered as an elder must be a spiritually mature man who has been tested before being placed into leadership over the church. Therefore, taking these two words together, poimen and presbuteros, the elder must be a spiritually mature man who is a shepherd at heart. He must be tested and he must show a desire, even a willingness to lead and feed the flock. Back in 1 Peter 5, Verse 2, he goes on, Peter goes on to say that that the, the shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. We see then that the the, the elder is should be eager, the man who would who would who would have a a desire to lead and feed and protect the flock should have an eagerness to do so. Not because of what he would, not because of what he would gain, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. The one who does it for sordid gain is like the hireling in John 10. He's not really a true shepherd at heart. He's only doing it to enrich himself. 
the Apostle Paul uses the third word. So we've seen two, two of the words that are, that are used for elder. The, the Apostle Paul uses the third word. Uh, actually, the, this verse in 1 Peter 5, 2 introduced this third word or the, uh, the concept of this third word, uh, oversight. But the Apostle Paul uses it. It's uh, the Greek word episkopos. He uses it in Acts 20, 28. When he says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, this word overseer can, again, episkopos can be translated overseer or bishop. Now, the first two words speak more of the man's character, who he is, right? It, it, it speaks more of him, again, being spiritually mature. The, 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 the presbyteros speaks more of him being spiritually mature or tested the the word uh the the word poimen speaks of his his shepherding of 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 the flock and a desire to shepherd the flock this particular word speaks more of his responsibility the responsibility that he's given in other words those who are spiritually mature shepherds are given the responsibility of oversight back in acts chapter 20 Luke records the use of all three of these words. If you want to turn there, you can. In verse chapter 20, in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, Paul sent to Ephesus and called to himself the elders of the church. That's the word presbyteros. The, the word for spiritually mature. And notice, notice there that that word is, is plural, that there are more than one elder. So there's a, there's a plurality of elders that, that Paul is calling from the church at Ephesus. In other words, we don't see instances in the New Testament where elders are acting alone. There's always a, a plurality of elders. In Acts 20, 28, we've already seen it. He tells them, he says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, I want, to, I want you to notice a couple of things here. First, notice the word overseers. Again, this speaks of the responsibility for oversight. And it ties together with the, the concept of, of the elder. These elders are spiritually mature men who are given this oversight. But the second thing I want you to notice, and more importantly, is who makes them overseers? Who makes them overseers? Look at the text. The Holy Spirit, right? It's the Holy Spirit who makes them overseers. As such, uh, elders are appointed by men for the purpose of oversight, but they're ultimately set apart as such by the Holy Spirit. That's what we see in Acts 20. And beloved, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. As we progress here at Grace Bible Church, we must identify those men whom the Holy Spirit has chosen to be overseers of this church. These men must be tested and shown to be spiritually mature. They cannot be men who lord over God's people. In 1 Peter 5, Peter goes on to say, not lording over. In other words, they must be men who gently lead in such a way that God's people recognize their leadership as being from the great shepherd himself, the Lord Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in John 10, we went over it a couple of weeks ago. He says, my, my sheep know my voice. You see, the sheep know Jesus' voice even through the gentle touch of his un, under-shepherds, right? As, as the under-shepherds gently, gently shepherd, 
loving the flock. They would know they know the voice of the great shepherd. Clearly, these men then must be chosen and set apart for the work by the Holy Spirit. We cannot expect to be able to choose these type of men without much prayer and guidance of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you are diligently praying. I ask and I pray that you would diligently pray for these these men. Whoever the Lord would raise up, and ever how long it takes to raise them up, that you would be praying for them so that we could see this church fully established. We must pray for them mainly because of this. Mainly because of this. Because they shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. Christ purchased this church. If if it's to be fully established, if this church is to be fully, fully planted, Christ purchased this church, Grace Bible Church, with His own blood. Therefore, whoever is chosen to lead this church needs to lead it according to Him, according to His Word. Beloved, this is a high calling, and it's one not to be taken lightly. This brings us to our next main point. Now, what I've just done is given you really a review of the first two points, the characterization of the eldership or the nature of the eldership and the call to eldership. Now we need to look at the nature of the responsibility itself. We need to study the nature of the charge. First, let's look at the office of overseer is high in accountability. If you look at 1 Timothy 3.1, Paul writes, it is a trustworthy statement, if any man aspires to the office, the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. I cannot, I cannot, cannot overstate the importance of the call to the office of overseer. I cannot overstate the importance because of the great responsibility that goes along with it. In other words, those who are called to the office of overseer are given a high calling which has great responsibility. And this responsibility cannot be given to just anyone. They must be, as as Acts 20.28 says, they must be called by God. This is because they will be held accountable by God. And so anyone anyone who presumes upon God by taking the position without being called is is in a grave position. Because they will be held accountable by Christ for their actions. Now, as I said earlier, the identification of elders may be the most, or is, I believe, is the most important action that we take in the early stages of this church. In Hosea 4, 4, it says that God, that God says that it will be like people like priests. In other words, the people will always follow the priest. If the priests are godly, then the people will be godly. If the priests are ungodly, then the people will be ungodly. God always places a huge responsibility on His leaders for the spiritual lives of the church, of the people. As such, the elders of the of church will be held to account for their leadership of the people. Listen to the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13, 7. It says this, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. 
Now we've seen Paul say the same, much the same thing. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what he told the Corinthians. Beloved, as I've said, leading God's people is a huge responsibility because leaders must model Christ to, to their people or to his people. <coughs> we can preach great sermons. We can preach fantastic sermons. We can have great oratory skills and fail to model Christ to our people. When I was in seminary, I heard of a man who would preach. This man was a, a part of a church there in California. He, he actually was a graduate of the Master's Seminary. He would, I heard, of, I heard of, that he would preach, and then he would immediately leave the building and wait in his car for his wife to finish fellowship. So he would say amen, walk straight out the door, and go get in his car. He didn't take the time. He refused to take the time to show his people what it means to follow Christ. You can't, you can't, you can't not be amongst the people showing them who Christ is. And as you might expect, this man almost killed the church. D.L. Moody says this, the preaching that this world needs most is the sermon and shoes that are walking with Jesus Christ. Beloved, this is a great responsibility. Huge responsibility. Any man who would take on this responsibility must understand that he will be held account by our Lord for his leadership of the people. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, if I stop right there, there might be room or there is room for leaders to be prideful. Given this statement, the man who desires to step into a leadership role can become puffed up and believe there's something about him that makes him into a leader. It can be a, a great temptation for men who are placed in leadership positions. You know, obey, you have to obey me, right? And submit to me as, as a leader, as, a, as an elder. It's easy for, the, for men to let that power go to their heads. It's easy to, easily, to, easy to focus on the power and even, even the financial gain that can come to dishonest shepherds. We can even see that it's a position of honor, right? That people would submit and begin to des- desire that honor over, over the actual shepherding of, pe- of God's people. But if you're sitting here today, and this goes for me as well, and have a desire to lead this congregation, then you need to closely consider the next statement. And This is in Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Beloved, any man who desires to be a leader will be held to this high account. will be held to this high account. They are called to keep watch over your souls and will give account for how they do so. It's a grave responsibility. It's one that, that should bring fear to those who would desire to be in that position. James warns teachers, the teachers in James 3.1, he says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. 
clearly in, in James, James's uh, audience, there were men who were trying to carry the mantle of leadership by teaching the people, but they did not, they didn't recognize the great responsibility that comes with that title. In Ezekiel 33, you can turn there if you'd like, God gives the leaders of the people, He says this to them. Ezekiel 33, verse 1. This is Ezekiel. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon a land, and the people of the land take one man from among them and make them make him their watchman. And he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows on the trumpet and warns the people. Then he warns, then he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take, take the warning, and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his head on his own head. So what we have here is that, that he, he hears the sound and does not take the warning. So the, the watchman has warned, and, and he hears it, and he does not take the warning. Then, then his blood is on his own head. So if, if the watchman says, look, danger is coming, and he doesn't heed it, there's a problem. He goes to his death. It's his own fault. He heard the sound of the trumpet, verse 5, but did not take the warning. His blood will be on himself. But had he taken the warning, he would have delivered his life. Verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and a sword comes and, and takes a person from them, he is, and he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. The watchman's hand. So he sees the danger coming, and because he's not willing to warn the people, he's not willing to tell them that the danger is coming, he's saying, God is saying that I will require that his blood from the watchman's hand. Beloved, that's the that's the elder. He's been charged as a watchman. To warn the people. God takes this charge seriously. This is not a charge to be taken lightly. It's been this way from the beginning, right? If you want to turn quickly to Leviticus chapter 10. Those who would lead God's people are held to a high account. Chapter 10, verse 1, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which He had not commanded them. And the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people I will be honored. So Aaron therefore kept silent. Now we could say a lot of things about the strange fire. But I want to say this one thing about this. God requires those who lead His people 
in worship to Him, He requires His, His, it's a high accountability. Beloved, we serve the same God who judged Nadab and Abihu. God has always held His leaders, those who are charged to lead His people to high account. Nothing has changed. If you desire to be an elder, if anyone here desires to be an elder, please understand that you will incur a stricter judgment. Beloved, as such, please pray for the men who would lead God's people. They have been given a great responsibility and will have to answer to God for how they have shepherded you. We've looked at the first point. The charge to the elder is high accountability. Let's look at the second point. The charge to the elder is honorable in practice. It's honorable in practice. We've seen that the responsibility of the elder is great. This might lead you to ask, I hope it leads you to ask, why any man in his right mind who understands this would ever desire to be an overseer? I hope that that's what you're asking. Certainly what I'm asking. Every Christian is called to godliness. So we're all all accountable to our Creator for how we live the Christian life. But overseers are held to account for watching over your souls. Again, this is not to be taken lightly. So, so why, do we, why do men who understand this still desire the work? Well, look at the text in 1 Timothy 3.1 if you're not there. Paul writes, it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of over, overseer, it is a fine work. It is a fine work. The word translated fine in the NASB and the word is translated fine in the NASB. The ESV actually renders the word noble. The New King James says, translate the word, and I assume it's following the King James, the word good. It's, it's, it's translated as good. This word actually can be defined as good or beautiful. It can refer to outward appearance, but in this case it probably takes on the idea of beneficial or even helpful. But I believe good captures the idea. It is a, it is a good work. Now, I, I believe this simple word forms a, an incredible connection to the creation account in Genesis 1. Turn there for a moment in Genesis 1 to ver, verse 31. I want you to see this. says, God saw all that He had made, and behold, it was very good. This is the same word that Paul uses for the work of the elder. It is a good work. As such, I believe that there's a parallel between the work of the elder in the church and God's purpose for man. Because God created man to have a purpose. If you look at Genesis 1, 26-28, we've seen this before. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, we talked about this before, but God created man to rule over His creation. But He expected man to rule in a way that reflected His image. 
In other words, man was expected to rule in a way that reflected God's, God's word and his holiness. Now, this is a bit of a review from what we did at Christmas time, but in Genesis 2.15, it says this. If you're there in Genesis, take a look. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to cultivate it and keep it. Now, like I say, back a few months ago, we saw, we saw that the, words used, the verbs used here, cultivate and keep, were used of the priest in the tabernacle whose job it was to, keep, to work in the tabernacle. Now, these words we, we've talked about a few months ago were tra- are trans- usually translated serve and guard. When they occur together, they, re- they normally refer to either to the Israelites serving God and keeping His Word or to priests who were to keep the service of the tabernacle. As an example, you don't have to turn there, but in Numbers 3, 5-8, through 8, it, it, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron, the priest, that they may serve him. First word, serve. This is speaking of the 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 priest, the tribe of Levi, uh, serving, serving Aaron. They shall perform the duties for him and for the whole congregation before the tent of meeting to do the service of the tabernacle. Again, service. They shall also, verse 8, this is Numbers 3.8, keep all the furnishings of the tent of meeting. Now, that word can also be translated guard. Now I I would tell you I would submit to you I would argue that the two verbs from Genesis 2:15 used here in Numbers 3 connect Adam's responsibility to the garden to the priest's responsibility to the tabernacle. The priests were charged with serving and guarding or keeping the temple and its furnishings. Therefore, the original purpose of Adam was to serve and guard the Garden of Eden, where God placed him. Now, another parallel there, as, as you well know, is that God's presence dwelled in both the garden and in the tabernacle. So again, I believe we can draw a, a parallel here. The elder then, <clears throat> taking this further, the elder then is charged to serve and guard the church, God's new creation. Just as the priests were charged to serve and guard the tabernacle, keeping it pure for the very presence of God, and just as Adam was charged to serve and guard the garden, keeping it pure for the presence of God to dwell with them, the elders are charged to guard and protect the church of the living God who dwells with and in His people. Beloved, This is a good and noble work. This is the work of the overseer. He has been charged to care for the people of God, to serve and guard them. And he's charged to do this in love. As Peter states in 1 Peter 5, the elder is not to lord over the people, but he is charged to lead them in love. It is significant that Jesus called Peter to shepherd, to be a shepherd in John 21. Significant that the apostle Peter was called to be an elder. And when he did so, it is also significant that Christ told him to follow me. 
the elder is to be a shepherd who follows Christ in shepherding the flock of God. He is not to place heavy burdens on the people of God, but he's to be a gentle shepherd. Yes, this is a work that's high in accountability. We've seen that. We've seen how high God regards those who would lead His people. Just look at the consequences of Adam's failure to protect the garden from Eve, the garden and Eve from the serpent. There are grave consequences when the elders do not take seriously the charge to guard and protect the church. It's serious. It's serious. But it's also a good and noble work. We've seen that the charge to eldership is high in accountability and honorable in practice. Let's look at the third point. The charge to eldership is hard by nature. Again, back in 1 Timothy 3.1, Paul writes, it's a fine work he desires to do. Beloved, Paul says that it is a good and noble work, but we can't miss the fact that it is work. And I think it follows that it is hard work. It is hard work because it is continual and never-ending on earth. Because God's people will continually have shepherding issues. And these issues will always require the elder's attention. The elder cannot be aloof because this work must be done on the individual level. Listen to this quote by Charles Jefferson. He says this, To deal with people one at a time is tedious and exhausting. To coax one bad boy into obedience to his mother or to lift one slave of drink into sobriety and freedom or brighten one humble household with a smile and a prayer, this requires patience and tact and sacrifice. End quote. The overseer has been given a great responsibility for shepherding God's people. And earlier in the series, earlier we we defined shepherding as leading, feeding, and protecting his people, the people of God. Therefore, the elder must be willing to forego a life of pleasure. He must be willing to dedicate his life to leading God's people by laboring in prayer and in the Word for them. He must not be lazy and insolent. He must he must not be a man who isn't willing to lead and feed and protect God's flock. If you turn back to First Peter, First Peter five, I want to highlight a couple of things. Starting again in verse one. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Stop right there and say that Peter is exhorting the elders. This means that he urges them strongly. It should logically follow then that if shepherding were easy, then Peter would not have to urge these men to shepherd the sheep. If it were easy to do, then men would be natural at shepherding. But this is simply not the case. 
the Lord Jesus urged Peter to tend his lambs. He even told Peter that he would that he would that he would follow Jesus, our great high shepherd, in dying for the church. Beloved, this is a not only a great responsibility, not only is it a good work, but it is a hard work. It's a work that follows in the steps of our Lord Jesus. As Charles Jefferson correctly notes, Jesus never called himself a priest or a preacher, but he liked to think of himself as a shepherd. Beloved, we must say that the call to eldership during Paul and Peter's day was a call to follow Christ. And it was a call to willingness to give up everything, including life. Clearly, this is a difficult call. Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter 5.2, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. The shepherd of the people of God should voluntarily, voluntarily lead God's people. Not for what he may receive. Not for the honor that he may get. He must do it voluntarily, even when his work is in great obscurity. The shepherd of God, of God the, the man who would be a shepherd of God's people, must be willing to labor among God's people for years without one bit of recognition. He has to be willing to do so without one word of encouragement. Obviously, we don't see much of this in our own day. We want to see results now. And we tend to measure as a pastor that I used to, pastor, one of my former pastors used to say, we tend to measure results in terms of nickels and noses. It's all about how many nickels we have coming into our coffers and how many noses we have in the pews. When those things don't meet our expectations, then we're off to the next destination. But beloved, this is not the heart of the true shepherd. The heart of the true shepherd says, I'm willing to stay. I'm willing to battle it out. Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter 5.3, nor, nor yet is the lording over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. So the, the shepherd must be an example to the flock. His life must be on display for people to see. His life must exemplify God's Word. He must model Christ for the flock. He must be able to say to, the, to God's people, imitate me as I imitate Christ. His life must point others to the love of Christ. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul urged Timothy this. He says, let no one look down on your youthfulness but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, 
and purity. Show yourselves yourself an example of those who believe. Paul urged Timothy to be an example to believers in his speech. The very words that he used and in how he used them. His words must never be coarse. They must never be harsh. He urged Timothy to be an example in conduct and how he handles himself in life. This includes how he handles himself in his home with his wife and children. Loving and leading them without being harsh to them. He must be a man who manages his home well, including his finances. In other words, he has a clear grasp on his family's situation in all aspects. But it also this conduct also includes how he handles himself in the church. Again, he firmly leads without lording over the people. It also includes how he handles himself in the marketplace. He must be approachable to those who work with him or for him. He must treat those who serve Him with a dignity that God expects. God cares how we do our business, right? And He cares how you interact with the person behind the cash register. And the elder must exemplify those things in his conduct. In all situations. Paul urged Timothy to be an example in faith. When things are difficult, he must look to Christ for guidance. He must model this dependence to his family. He must model this dependence to his church. He must model this dependence in the marketplace. God's elder cannot be one who looks to the world for answers. James 1, in James 1, James says that we must look to God for wisdom when we face trials and suffering. But we must ask, in faith without any doubting, the elder must model this type of reliance on Christ. Beloved, it is a hard work. It's a hard hard work. It's high in accountability. It is honorable in practice. And it's hard by nature. Beloved, these can only be carried out by a man who is completely sold out for Christ. These things can only be accomplished by a man who labors in personal devotion to Christ. Charles Spurgeon says this, The labor of the Christian ministry is well performed in exact proportion to the vigor of our renewed nature. Our work is only well done when it is well within ourselves. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, I urge you to pray for the men who God would choose to lead this church. I urge you to diligently pray for them. I urge you to pray for God to reveal them to us. I urge you to specifically pray for the men men whom you sense have been especially set apart for this office. Believe it or not, you have or you play a crucial role. Even if you're not in in the position of being an elder, you play a crucial role in identifying these men. I want to task you with something right now as we close. If you see someone who in your mind is a shepherd, if you see someone in in the midst of us, I know there's very few of us, but if you see someone who is a shepherd, I want you to do a couple things. I want you to pray for him. Take him to the Lord in prayer. Pray for his family. Pray for his walk with God. Pray for His purity. 
Pray that God would reveal in him his desire for him to lead God's people. Right? They have to, it's a desire that, that God forms within the man. Secondly, continue to observe him. Not with a critical heart, but to see if God continues to reveal him to be a true under-shepherd of our Lord. Thirdly, thirdly, don't hesitate to let me know your thoughts. I want to know if there are men who are acting as elders in our midst. If we believe what we've learned so far, right? Then there are men, if, if there are men who would be set apart as overseers, they, they, they're already acting. They're already shepherds at heart. They already are exhibiting the character of leading God's people. They're already, they've, they've been tested. They're spiritually mature men. If you sense this, pray about it. Continue to observe them and let me know your thoughts. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning again. I do pray, Lord, though we are small, I pray that You would and ask, beg, plead, that You would see this church fully established. That there would be a plurality of elders here. Lord, we don't know how long it will take. We want to be patient. We have been patient. We want to continue to be patient. That You would reveal the men who You choose to lead Your church. We pray, Lord, that when it's all said and done, that You would get the glory. Father, we pray that You would raise up men who understand the accountability that goes along with this charge. Who understand, though, how noble a charge that it is. It's a good work. It's a fine work. Father, we pray that You would you would also to superintend the process. That you would guide us, you would keep us, that we would trust in you in Christ's name. Amen.